2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. This is a 9-11 anniversary. How many remember where you were 9-11 on that morning? I never will forget where I was. My mother... My mother called me and said, son, they're attacking us. And they were attacking us, weren't they? That was a war. And I, I love any memory I have with my mother in it, even the, even the ones where I got in trouble. Uh, so from that time on, we have many times celebrated a, a service day because it's a good day to emphasize Christian service, community service, and uh, we have invited uh, uh, different ones that uh, work in our uh, community and the police force and such that here on certain occasions just to kind of commemorate 9-11 and bring something positive from it as being a a day to recognize service and the honor service. Tonight, I'll be teaching about uh, service, how how to improve uh, your life in, in the area of serving others and serving uh, in the community, serving church. and So I hope, hope everyone will be here tonight for that. I want everyone to come at 6 o'clock. This morning we're going we're gonna to look at the same thing basically in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll begin reading verse 8. Uh, this is uh, David's mighty men. How many's heard that sermon before? Or something about it. You've heard something about it. David's mighty men. And uh, what I want to think about today is that we need to be the Lord's mighty men and women, right? The challenge is for us to be one of the list. There's a list here uh, of these uh, men that David uh, worked with, fought with, fought the enemy with, and grew to love and appreciate one another, grew in fellowship with one another, because they're, they're time together. Uh, some of you who served in, in the military in, in places, you developed relationships there with uh, people that you served with, and that's still with you, right? You, you, that was an important uh, period of your life, and you built friendships. And, you know, we serve in the church, we grow relationships with people that we serve with in different ministries of the church. And so this is, this is what this is all about. Let's read the text together. It's, it's, it's really a, a list of accumulated uh, things and people that came together over the years in David's life. And now these be the, the last words of David. So he's telling the story. He's in one of these last occasions when he's able to communicate. Before he dies, and and uh, my my dad never talked about his military uh, time until right before his death, and uh, that I guess I think that's not strange, you know, that you talk about things uh, later on and you reminisce, and 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 so that's what David is doing. He's reminiscing, and from it, the Bible recorded a list of what David said. That can be a help to us as Christians. He says, and now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed uh, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit 
of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake unto me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Now that's kind of the introduction. Now let's skip down to verse 8. Here comes the list. And these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tecmonite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. 800 at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aharite, and uh, one of the uh, three mighty men with David. When they, uh, defile, when they uh, defended the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the middle of Israel were gone away. The, all the, the army had moved on. And this man, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to take the spoils. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hurrite. And the, Philist, uh, and the Philistines were gathered together unto a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, peas or beans. And the people uh, fled from the Philistine. They ran. But this man stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Verse 13. And, and three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephidim. And David was then in an hold, and, and the garrison of Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it unto David. Nevertheless, he would not drink. Thereof he poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this or drink this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it those things did these three mighty men. Then it continues to talk about uh, a couple other men that did mighty feats. Uh, David here, as I said, was in his final days. And, and he's, he's saying this. And the Holy Spirit recorded what he's, the part of what he said that is helpful to us. What we need in the Bible. Now, this list was just brought together over the years. It hadn't been written down, uh, apparently, at, until this time. But uh, David uh, had gone through battles. Remember, remember when he started? He was a shepherd boy, and he went out 
and he was taking food to his brothers, and Goliath was there. Goliath was David's great opportunity. They saw him as a great threat, but David saw Goliath as a great opportunity. You know, leadership is how you look at things, right? And so David went to battle there and and, uh, defeated Goliath, and he met friends. He became to develop a, a relationship and a reputation. He quickly rose to be the commander of Saul's army. And they fighting battles against the Philistines here, there, and everywhere. And remember, if you remember, the ladies would sing uh, a song. That, songs all through history, uh, people have sung. Remember the songs? It was, it was at the top of the charts. David has killed his ten thousands, right? And, and, and Saul didn't like that song, right? Saul didn't like that song because there was a line in it that, that talked about that Saul had killed his thousands. I said Saul before. David has killed his ten thousands. Yeah, Saul didn't like that. He got jealous. And that was kind of the beginning of the breakdown of the relationship between David and Saul over jealousy and rebellion in Saul's heart. David was always loyal to Saul and to the other men uh, there in the, in, in the army. Of course, David was exiled eventually. And then he was hiding and trying to avoid uh, Saul and having clashes with Saul. And um, 500 men followed him. Surely many of those men were these men in our list. I didn't re- read the list either, uh, but, but there's a reason for that. I don't want to get into all the pronunciations of those words, those names. But uh, through these years of conflict, through these years of of fighting battles, there grew relationships and there grew stories. I don't know. Did the story get bigger than it really was? I don't know. The Holy Spirit records it just here. This first guy, he killed 800 Philistines one time alone by himself. Wow, that's, that's a miracle, isn't it? That's a God thing. And, and so these men were close. And outside of a few betrayals, it was uh, a group that loved one another and supported one another. Doesn't that look like church to you? I mean, there's people here, you know, I've, I've grown in relationship with people here for 40 years almost. I'm a stranger. You used to tell me I had sand between my toes, you know, stuff like that. And we've built relationships. There's new relationships that you have built with one another over time. How do you do that? Do you do that by just coming to church and sitting down, singing a song and going home? No, you don't do that that way. That that doesn't work. You have to get involved. You have to get invested. Involved and invested. Right? That's what it takes. to. And, and you know, what what's the difference? Why don't I enjoy... Church, I, I'm here today, but uh, I'm going to get my obligation done. I'm, I'm going to go about my business, go home, do my own thing. If that's your attitude, you're not involved and you're not invested. Because when you get involved and invested, then you want to meet together with those old people that you always get with. You know, they, they may not be no good, but they're my friends. Amen? You know what I'm saying? 
That's, that's kind of the way we feel. These men example what we need to be, not David's mighty men, but the Lord's mighty men and women in the Lord. Now, notable in the list, and we didn't read it, there's Eliajam, Elijah, I think is his name pronounced, Elijah. In the list, he was Ahithophel's son. He's still in the list. And remember, Ahithophel fell out with David. He fell out with David over, over David's own sin with Bathsheba, his granddaughter, right? Would that make you mad? Yeah. But Ahithophel never said anything about it until the opportunity came to betray David. And he saw it as God's will for him to go with David's son and take the kingdom from David. He... Ahithophel thought he was in God's will. The people in the church that want to divide the church or call somebody down in the church or straighten uh, something out at the church, they don't do it because uh, they want to act like the devil. They do it because they think they're doing the right thing. (laughs) Also, Ahithophel's son-in-law. I mean, Ahithophel was well invested in the nation building, right? In, in, in David's life. But Uriah, the son-in-law of Hithophel. Do I need to go into that story today? I've been into that story enough. How David even betrayed him and had him killed. That's when David broke six, six of the Ten Commandments. David. I love David. When I studied through David this time, I, I learned some terrible things about David that, that really disappointed me. And I saw how God judged him and how, how things, and, and it helped me understand life. You, you, you can't always be right. Are you always right? Are we? No. David, he fell short. So, so we have this list. Now, the list of men, are it's called the group of 30. But actually, there's 37. There's 37, okay? And it seems to me, and, I, and it seems to what I've studied uh, from what other people have said here, uh, it seems to be three groups. There's a group of three, then there's a group of three, and then there's a group of 31. And you know what happens there. you got this group of 30, and... And you start adding it up, and then you got this one guy. I can't leave him out. Who can I take out? I'm not going to take anybody out. Just throw him in there. The 30 just represents a group. That's how that happens. So there's 37. These men enlisted in the group are, are honored by being in a part, a part of the list. And, and, and they were faithful to God and faithful to the country, faithful to David, their leader. These men, they, they forged a relationship. They fought a common enemy. Although they fought among themselves, they fought a common enemy. And, and sometimes when people fight among themselves, it's because they've forgotten they have a common enemy. And the infighting takes place. They were loyal, which is a Christian principle. I don't know if you know this, but most religions do not teach loyalty the way Christians teach it. Christianity teaches loyalty when no one is looking. Christianity even teaches a certain amount of loyalty to your enemies. Not in religions. 
You can lie and betray those that you're opposed to. And we're not taught that in Christian principle. These men, they meant something to the nation. They meant something to the cause. Remember David, the battle cry of David when he came on the scene. And I guarantee you that thing took off and become a slogan. Is there not a cause? Yeah, there is a cause, and they got behind it. And these men were loyal, and they were honored for their loyalty. And for us to be a church that can be effective, there has to be a level of loyalty to one another, to the church, to the ministry, to the family of God. There has to be that. If you work for a country, don't forget who pays your check. Right? There has to be a certain amount of loyalty. To the home, to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your parents. It's just vital loyalty. These men were honored for their loyalty. Now we look at the first group. There's a dino. He, he's, he's killed on one occasion. David mentioned he killed 800 Philistines on one occasion by himself. Surely he was a man of great might. He was a man with determination. He was a man with stamina. Surely he had God with him too. Amen. He had God all over him. A dino. He's remembered. And then there's Eleazar. Uh, verse 9, it talks about him in the text. And he defended, it says in verse 9, And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, at her height, of one of the three mighty men. He's one of the three with David. When he defended uh, the. Uh, the five of the Philistines that were uh, gathered together to battle, and he was by himself. He fought alone. You know, many times uh, when we come to church and there's only a few of us here, we want to look around and say, where's everybody at? <laughs> and this man could have said that. Where's everybody at? He, he defends against the Philistines on his own. He doesn't retreat. He's faithful. He's diligent. He didn't flee. He fought. It says that he killed the Philistines. His hand got stuck to the sword. His hand stuck to the sword. I mean, this dude's it's frozen. He's got a cramp like nobody has. And the Bible says the Lord brought a great victory through him. God can use one of you, any one of us, to bring a great victory if we allow him, if we just be diligent, if we just just have some have some resistance to quit. The tendency is to take care of ourselves. But this guy should have said, he the modern world, he should have said, Well, I'm not gonna do this job by myself. He kind of makes me think of one of our bus drivers a few weeks ago. We had a miscommunication and nobody Showed up, so he ran two routes. The others had returned from the battle, but it says that they came back. And you know what help he needed? He needed help picking up the spoils. And guess what? Everybody was willing to help. Isn't that true? Everybody's willing to help. A majority of the people always owe a great deal to a minority of the people. That's always true. We don't know who it is many times. Don't it won't be accounted for till we get to heaven. The people, that, that minority, that group, that small group, maybe that one that has stood in the gap when no one else was there. 
when others are running, he's not running. And they're returning, and they're enjoying the spoils of what he did. Uh, you know, it shouldn't happen that way, should it? But it always does. It always does. Uh, and the right way is almost opposite of what the crowd does. Almost always opposite of what the crowd does. And then, then we got Shammah. And Shammah, uh, his story, we got it there. He didn't run away. He didn't quit. He stood his ground. Most people would have called him stupid. Why? What are you fighting over? He said, I'm fighting over these beans. Beans. Lentils. Peas or beans. I think lentils covers both, right? Peas and beans. What are you doing, man? You're standing out there in the middle, risking your life. You're risking your life for, for a pea patch? For a patch of beans? Is this worth dying for? You ever been told that? Is being faithful to the church, is serving God in that capacity where you serve, is it worth wasting your life for? <laughs> he stood on principle. He stood its ground. Lord, give us men and women of principle. Not picking fights, just standing still and seeing the salvation of the Lord. You know, running away can be a habit. It, it can form a habit, right? It can form a habit. I mean, you're, you're there on your job and, and you, you want to quit that job and you go to another job and then you quit that job and then you go to another job and you quit that job. You've got to watch out. Sometimes you've got to stand. Sometimes you've got to stay. I remember what one person said when our church was going through turmoil. I was here before that preacher came and I'll be here when he leaves. Did that make me mad? No. Thank God for people like that. My buddy Dennis, at the, uh, by the way, he said hi to you, Sarah. Dennis, I wouldn't take, a, I wouldn't take nothing for Dennis in our association. He's the honorest guy you've ever met if you're in a meeting with him. He is so negative. And the other day he made his comment and it was negative. I said, Dennis, I appreciate what you said. I didn't have to guess it where you stood on this, but now it's out loud. We hugged each other. Yeah, I love that guy. You know what I love about him? I can tell him what I think. And he always tells me what I want to not. He tells me what he thinks. There's nothing wrong with that kind of relationship, is there? Is that more real? Isn't, isn't that more real than walking on eggshells around everybody? And you know, do we all do that? We all have people we have to walk on eggshells around. Help us grow, Lord. This man stood his ground for beans, for peas. He was a principled man. And verse 11 and 12 is, is a statement about it. And, and he, he didn't give up. He, you know what? He was told to defend those beans. Running away, it's habit forming. We need to teach our children not to give up. We don't need to defend them every time. We don't need to take up for them. We don't need to fight their battles for them. We need to teach them to fight their battles. This guy was a hero. And heroes produce, produce heroes. To him, little things were important. Listen, the little things is what sinks ships. 
what brings defeat in battles. Little things. Oh, it's not important that I'm there. Yes, it is. He didn't. He didn't have the attitude. Is this job is not important? This ain't important. I, you know, why? Why? Many people did because he's the only one stood. He stood. He stayed. Now, most people don't see the value in beans. Do you? How, some people don't even like beans, right? But but I want you to think about a minute. An unseen reason for the. Do you know that armies have been fed with beans? You feed armies with beans. So what looks to be not important was really important. I wanted to. I want to challenge you to see that what you think may not be important, it's important. Preacher, it's just a patch of beans. These patch of beans fed an army. Then we see the second group of three. Verse 13 to 17. This is the story where David is in, in, the, he's in the, the cave there. Uh, and, and he's hiding from Saul, right? And he's battle weary. He's battle weary. And, and, and he's, he's stressed out. And uh, we look here. And uh, it says, verse 14, he, he was in a hold. And a garrison of the Philistines were at Bethlehem. And the Philistines have got Bethlehem covered. He's still fighting for the Lord, although Saul is against him. Saul is against him. And, and, and listen, don't quit fighting for the Lord no matter who's against you. No matter if your best friend's against you. No matter if your wife's against you. Don't stop fighting for the Lord. And David goes to thinking out loud. Verse 15, and, and, and it says, verse 15, And David longed, it says he longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. You know, we all do this, right? We, man, I, I remember back, boy, I remember that old water that we used to drink, and or, or some occasion used to, Take place, and David's just reminiscing. He's he's encouraging his heart by thinking back. Now, to him, this was just longing, just something that wasn't real big. Actually, the the well that he is talking about is eight miles away, and it's under the control of the Philistines in Bethlehem. That's where that well was. These men heard this. Three men. These men heard David say that. This was not a command. It wasn't even a request. It wasn't a command. It wasn't a request. But these men, they, they said, let's go, get him, let's go get him a jug of that water. And, and the, so they broke through the battle lines to Bethlehem. I think they tell us in the commentaries that the well was 80 foot deep. They drew water out of the well under attack. And they take it back to David. These men are not driven by duty alone, are they? In our service for Jesus, are we driven only by duty? Duty is a great thing to be driven by. Many people are not even driven by duty. Shame on us when that's true. But these men are not driven just by duty. They 
They're driven by love. They love David. It kind of reminds me of one of the families in our church. If my wife leaves town, man, the eating, oh man, always bring me something. These men are driven by love, beyond obligation. Look at verse 16. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and threw water out of the well of Bethlehem that was uh, by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, we'll get to that later. Nevertheless, you may look at that and say, man, what in the world? How much does Jesus mean to us? It says, nevertheless, in verse 16, he says, nevertheless, he would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. You may look at that and say, my goodness, he didn't even appreciate that. He didn't appreciate all that they did. And that goes back to the misunderstanding about the, the, the bean field. Most people don't understand the, the importance of little things. But David said, listen, I'm not going to drink this water. Too much sacrifice has gone into this. Most people would have missed that. David is pointing the glory to God, the praise to the Lord. It reminds me of when Jesus was at Bethany. <clears throat> Remember when he was at Bethany? He went to Simon the leper's house. Simon was a, a, a Pharisee, or at least he was a public figure. I think he was a Pharisee. It was customary. Now let's think about this. It was customary. There, there are three stages, three levels of respect that you paid your guests when they came to your house. Do you have a level of respect that you give? There's a level that you give to your friends that are on common ground, and then there's a level higher than that that you give to someone that's a more a, a person of higher respect, and then there's the one that not only are they higher, but you have great respect for them, and they get the ultimate treatment. When Jesus came to this leper's house, he didn't get any of that. He said... Come on in here. Let's eat dinner. Oh, it was a level. You can eat lunch with it. You can eat supper with me. But I'm not going to show you any respect. <clears throat> I wonder why. Was he afraid of what people would say about him? I don't know. Maybe he's like Nicodemus. He wanted to meet Jesus at night where no one would see him. But Leopard doesn't. Uh, but but uh, this man, Simon, doesn't give any respect to Jesus in that, that way of honor that was custom. At the time. But what happened at Bethany? A woman. And they usually ate at a garden uh, place out in, in the back, you know, with a fence around it. And I can just visualize they're having dinner there. And she's watched the whole thing because she's been following Jesus. She noticed there was no anointing. No washing his feet. None of those things were taking place which were customary of an honored guest. What she do? She may go home, I don't know, but she gets an alabaster box, doesn't she? The Bible said it was precious. It was hers in her in her hope chest. That that's that's we we've been taught that, right? It was part of her hope chest. And she broke that box and she anointed Jesus' head. 
with honor. Guess what? The disciples, they started complaining, didn't they? We could have put this money in the treasury and we could have bought lots of stuff for the poor. Jesus made that statement. You, you're always going to have the poor with you. This woman has done a very special act. Where's our love for Jesus? These men demonstrated uh, that's what's necessary for real love. Their submission, their service, and their sacrifice. Their submission, their service, and their sacrifice. They loved David. Submission. They were willing to serve. And they sacrificed even their own lives. When others quit, love will keep us on. David didn't need water. He needed encouragement, didn't he? And they were meeting his need. And this water was not the need. The encouragement was, and and he offers it up to the Lord to honor Jesus. Are you willing to risk anything for Jesus? Are you willing to go the extra mile for Jesus? Has God called you to serve? Yes, he has. Every Christian is called to serve. Are you willing to take a risk for Jesus? Do you need the fire rekindled for Jesus? Or are you playing it safe? This is how you become one of Jesus' warriors. Submission, service, sacrifice. And why not? The one who submitted himself, the one who served us, the one who sacrificed his life on the cross at Calvary so that we could be saved. Now listen, folks, he did not save us so that we could just be saved. He saved us so that we could honor the Father with our submission, with our service, with our sacrifice. You're not saved just to sit. Let's bow our heads. As we quietly stand our feet with our heads bowed out, our musicians come. Give us a, a hymn of invitation. This is service day. And I hope that we can see that there's a list. There's quite a few lists in the Bible. There's a list of 70 there's a list of 24, there's a list of 12, list of 7, list of, list of 5, list of 3, and then there's a list with 1. Many lists in the Bible, and you're on that list somewhere. Which list are you on? I want to challenge you to don't get on that list of the mighty men and women of Jesus. Would you surrender? Would you be willing to sacrifice? Would you rekindle the fire for Jesus Christ today? Come to this altar. If that's in your heart, lay it on this altar for the Lord Jesus. 
If you're here and you're not saved, we want to invite you to come to Jesus and trust Him as your Savior. If you wanted to do that in your seat, would you step out right now? Take me by the hand and say, Preacher, I want to be counted as a Christian. I want to be one of Jesus' mighty people. Would you come? Would you step out of that seat? When Jesus calls, He calls us. Would you come? Maybe you need to come to surrender, to serve God in some capacity. You come. Let's sing that out. Would you come? Just as I am. One plea. I can't do everything but I can do what I can that's all God wants just do what you can would you come to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot O Lamb of God I you need to be saved, you come right now. One more verse, just one more. This is for that one that needs to be saved.